0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, June 10th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. The dissociation of several Arab states with the small, wealthy nation of Qatar comes at a time when the U.S. is seeking greater military alliances with Saudi Arabia as it fights multiple wars. Why did this happen, and does it make a step down in America's foreign entanglements less likely? Cato Institute research fellow Emma Ashford comments.
1: The relationship between Qatar and Saudi Arabia has been problematic for quite some time. Um, I actually wrote a a policy analysis for Cato a couple of years back in which I talked about Saudi and Qatari involvement in the Syrian civil war. Um, And actually, Saudi and Qatari spending on groups that opposed one another is one of the reasons why that war got so violent. Um, and so there's been this rivalry for years. Basically, the Qataris have a tendency to support um, Islamist groups. That's political Islamist groups, things like the Muslim Brotherhood, um, things like Hamas in the Palestinian territories. Um, and the Saudis don't like that. They they do not like the Muslim Brotherhood. They've effectively banned them inside Saudi Arabia. And they worry about those kind of groups gaining more traction in the Gulf. So this is very much a political disagreement. Agreement based on which side in regional political struggles each country aligns with,
0: and yet the United States has had uh, a relationship with Qatar with respect to uh, military support for like uh, two decades, at least.
1: To some extent, actually, Qatar's relationship with the US uh, was something of, of a trump card for the Qataris. Um, they used to be very dependent on Saudi Arabia, followed Saudi foreign policy all the time. But about 15, 20 years ago, um, the emir of Qatar at the time invited the US to set up a base there. That base at al Udeid is now uh, the forward operating headquarters of US Central Command. It's where the anti-ISIS campaign operates from. And so the Qataris basically see the large U.S. base on their territory, you know, eight, ten thousand 10,000 U.S. troops at any given time as, as kind of a guarantee. They think that the U.S. won't back the Saudis against them so long as they're doing us this favor, a favor that many regional states wouldn't be willing to do.
0: And so uh, what what specifically has precipitated uh, Saudi Arabia essentially cutting ties with Qatar? Well, first of all, what does that even mean?
1: The Saudis, the Emiratis, and some other Middle Eastern states have cut diplomatic ties with Qatar. And that's, that's interesting, but it has happened a couple of times before. It's not particularly draconian. What is draconian is the other steps that the Saudis have taken. Um, they have cut off all travel between uh, their countries and Qatar, they've cut off access to airspace for airplanes, even commercial ones, flying to Doha. Um, and they have closed the land border between Saudi Arabia and Qatar, all of which means that it's going to be much more difficult for Qataris to travel in and out of the country. Um, it's probably going to be more difficult for them to import goods and even foodstuffs. In fact, there were there was a run on a lot of supermarkets in Doha yesterday when this news got out. So this is a much more serious case than we've seen previously.
0: So we don't know exactly why uh, the Saudis and these other states felt emboldened. uh, But you would argue that Donald Trump's trip uh, through Saudi Arabia had something to do with that.
1: There's no obvious precipitating incident here. About the closest that we can find is that Qatar recently concluded a um, hostage deal to repatriate some of its uh, royal family that was kidnapped in Iraq while they were hunting there, apparently. Um, and so in doing so, Qatar paid a ransom to... To various Shia groups associated with Iran. And that's what the Saudis are saying is the main reason for this, that and Qatari backing for extremists. Um, but that's been going on for years. Um, and so the only other obvious cause of this happening right now is Donald Trump's um, very successful, from the Saudi point of view, trip to Saudi Arabia a couple of weeks ago. And, and actually, uh, the president himself has come out and tweeted uh, just this morning that uh, he actually supports the Saudi actions. This is something that would have been fairly unthinkable in any previous administration.
0: So how does this change the U.S. relationship with uh, Qatar?
1: Well, I think the reaction of different parts of the U.S. government has been fairly... instructive here. We've seen uh, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson yesterday when this all started to blow up. uh, He said, you know, the US would would step in and help to mediate between the parties in this dispute. Uh, US Central Command itself, uh, which is forward based in Qatar, has said we take no side in this dispute. But then the president turned around and tweeted that he supported Saudi Arabia. And so the US doesn't really seem to have a coherent policy On this issue, on this dispute, and particularly given how many U.S. service members are located in Qatar at present, that's a very worrying stance. There doesn't appear to have been any thought put into how this support for one side in what is effectively a regional dispute is going to impact U.S. policies in the region or indeed U.S. service members stationed in the region.
0: So how does uh, Qatar support Extremists. You mentioned the M- Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, do they have any ties to uh, people who are now with ISIS?
1: So the Muslim Brotherhood uh, is more of a political Islamist movement, um, and there are plenty of places where they're active. Uh, in various Middle Eastern conflicts, but not so much in the conflict in Syria, and they're certainly not on the same side as, as ISIS. During the earlier stages of the war in Syria, Qatar poured a lot of money and arms into that conflict. Now, they never directly funded or armed ISIS, but some of those weapons found their way into the hands of people that later joined ISIS. Qatari private citizens have also contributed to a variety of extreme. Extremist groups, things like al-Qaeda or ISIS over the years. And indeed, one of the main conflicts between Qatar and the U.S. over the years has been the fact that Qatar does not crack down on terrorist financing by its own citizens to the extent we would like them to do.
0: Where does uh, Qatar's money come from?
1: Qatar is one of the world's um, most productive natural gas exporters. Um, In fact, they they export such large quantities of natural gas that many countries in the world are almost entirely dependent on them. For example, I think about 30%, 35% of China's liquefied natural gas imports comes from Qatar alone. And this has made the kingdom just extraordinarily wealthy. So they're a very, very small country, but they really punch above their weight in regional affairs. And that's because they have the money to do so. So um, they basically use money to buy their way into helping groups in other countries, into sort of trying to resolve political differences. Um, During the Arab Spring, for example, the Qataris uh, were heavily involved in bankrolling the government of Mohamed Morsi before the coup that eventually unseated him. So their wealth, which they get from, from natural gas exports, has big regional foreign policy implications.
0: As we've discussed before, uh, Donald Trump appeared to be much friendlier with uh, the Saudis than he was with uh, members of NATO, of which, of course, you, the United States is uh, a member. Um, where do you think, does the, what impact might this have on uh, our sense of where the Trump administration is going to be with respect to uh, Middle Eastern policy?
1: This seems to be another another data point that suggests that the Trump administration really is wholeheartedly embracing a Saudi vision of regional security. Um, they're not looking at regional politics and saying, well, we'll work with the Saudis on some issues, but on others we don't agree with them. Um, instead they very much, Trump himself particularly, very much seems to just be accepting what the Saudis tell him about regional politics, about extremist financing, and saying whatever they want to do about it, that's fine. And and so this incident um, really highlights some of the flaws with that. Uh, Trump has come out and said that he supports what the Saudis are doing. He doesn't seem to be considering the problems that this is going to cause for, say, the campaign against ISIS which is largely being flown out of this base in Qatar. And so this is just another situation where Trump's Middle East policy is surface deep. Uh, He pretty much accepts what other countries are telling him, um, makes snap judgments a lot, but hasn't really thought about the deeper implications of how these things work in, in reality.
0: Emma Ashford is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.